0: Absolutely horrible. Maybe
2: we ought to cut this conversation from the yeah, I think, uh, podcast. I think we might do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: hello, everybody, and welcome to 119 of the Stacey West podcast. Uh, I'm Ben, as ever, and Gary is with me as well. How are you doing, mate? you all right? I'm not too
2: bad I've got some new gel pads for my hands but I've got into a habit of putting them together and just playing with them like a stress ball
0: I'd, yeah that, that's always a danger isn't it when you get something that's a little bit squishy so like, oh I can yeah I can
2: squeeze this yeah it replaces the bit of paper that I, I was playing with last week that actually only got thrown in the bin yesterday
0: <laughs> that must have been a well-worn bit of paper
2: it perished Perished. <laughs> Perished. I, I do have another perishing story, which I might tell later in the podcast, but it's it's not one that I can tell early in the podcast. It, it, it's an after nine o'clock story.
0: <laughs> Post watershed perishing. It is. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. But uh, how's how's the week been? Have we uh, have we been well in general?
2: Um, I can't believe it's Thursday. To be honest, no, or Friday. <laughs>
0: You're yeah. listening to
2: this. It's just like, do you know what? It's actually been a busy week because <clears throat> Monday. Monday's not too bad. Um but obviously Tuesday's the game. Yesterday was the supporters board meeting. So <clears throat> it just seems to just the weeks kind of fly by. Mm. I was saying at least the Saturday Tuesday. You know I love football but it's just getting a bit much and it? it'd be just nice to get to next Saturday and mm. uh kick Sunderland's ass on their own muck hill and then uh, and then have a week off.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean it'd be nice. I think um you know, from the sounds of it as well, it sounds like the players are, are in a similar boat. Where I think they was it. Michael said he wants to get to the Oxford game and then have have a week off. Well,
2: we'll we'll probably have the Oxford game off because I think well, course, I think we we're, we're unlikely. Week, yeah, well, we're unlikely to have the call-ups. I think Anthony Scully and Brennan Johnson will get a call-up. But other than that, obviously, Zach Elbezzetti is one who usually got called up. But he's mm. at Bolton, so that won't count. Regan Paul's eligible for Wales. But I, I can't see them turning to him this close to the Euros when he hasn't been called up since 2019. Mm. Um, despite, yeah, He's not even playing regularly for us at the minute. And the other one is uh, Sean Rowan was put on standby for the under-21 squad. But again, with having not played football, I can't see that happening. So unless there's a shock call-up for Morgan Rodgers at under-20 level or whatever, um, yeah, I, I think we'll be relying on Oxford to to have call-ups.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a fair one. Um, I I don't know who they've got in their ranks that might get called up. I think they're probably, yeah, if you say that, I think it's probably a bit more likely that they will. Um but uh yeah, I mean it's uh, it's been I think we said off air, it's probably a bit of a better week than it was last week. Um I know I was uh starting to let a little bit of negativity, a little bit of pessimism start to creep in, but uh two really solid performances in the in the past week. Um well at least one and maybe three quarters of you know positive performances if you want, you know, get, get nitpicky about it. Um Obviously the crew game was last week, you've you've spoken about it already on, on Match Day Live, so I don't want to go over it too much, but um I just thought that was an absolutely solid performance and you know, not really too much to pick apart from it. Um I think uh, Callum Morton showing what he can do and um that I mean yeah, the, the save that he forced from their keeper was, was fantastic. Um and then yeah, three goals to Three goals to the good against uh, a team that I think I was quite wrong in saying that they would finish in the relegation spots uh, come the end of the season. But, um, yeah, it was a, a very enjoyable day on Saturday. Um, I mean, did, you know, very brief thoughts on it? or Good. There you go. Brief as you want.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know what? I, I, I saw quite a contrast because... Um, I did a Gab Sutton's uh, live show afterwards and they had uh, Ant have Evans on, I think it is, from Crew and he's kind of saying things like, you know, way at Lincoln, you know, it's going to be tough, you know, you're going to get beat. You just go there and do as well as you can. And yet, we're Lincoln fans sat there going, Well, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be easy for us. Crew aren't in too bad a form, and they've got this player that can hurt you and that player that can hurt you. So, to be me, for me, it was just interesting to listen to two different perceptions of the same game from inside the camps. Mm -hmm. And I think. I think it's easy for football fans to play down either how good their side are or not. I mean, yeah, we, you know, we were in a slump and people were saying, absolutely, Lincoln and City are in a slump. This is, uh, this is not good for them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it was two defeats and a draw in three games. But prior to that, we had beaten Wigan away. Um, you know, we got to a Czech trade trophy semi final and held Sunderland at their place. We'd drawn with Hull City at their place twice in, in a week. We'd beaten Gillingham. Do you know what I mean? We won away at Fratton Park. So our slump is three games, but those three games conjure up real images of, of despair and people saying the wheels have come off and you know, numpties on social media with their criticism. It's very very easy to fall into that negative trap, and I just found it fascinating listening to uh, to the crew fan kind of saying, Well, Lincoln City," that's one of the games you you write off. Um, and I, you know, when we look ahead to the games that are coming up. It's going to be interesting as well how, how those teams um, that are coming to Sinsel Bank kind of view it. So so it just felt to me like a job done. I did never think it was a 3-0 game. I think 3-0 probably um, flattered us slightly mm. in terms of uh, possession. I think Crew kind of edged it. In terms of shots, They we had one more but it was, yeah, we were more clinical. We had nine shots, six on target, They had eight shots, one on target. At the end of the day, don't push us on target. You don't score goals. And yeah, they didn't. We did. 3-0. On you go.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. I think the um the, the, the thing you say there about, the, you know, hearing the other side's views and, and stuff like that, it was um, just going back to the DFL Trophy semi-final when, you know, I was on the, the Sunderland uh, Red and Whites podcast and they said there, you know, that, Lincoln have got the better side and I thought bloody hell that you know a Sunderland fan or two Sunderland fans agreeing that Lincoln City have got a better side than Sunderland that's it was like you say when you when you hear that you just go right okay we're getting some serious praise at the minute so maybe it is a case of you know not you know, without wanting to quote everybody you know not getting too low in the in the low periods and um not getting too high when we win so
2: it's perception it's perception hmm. again so I mean some for a Sunderland fans say so Lincoln City have got their side Possibly, possibly, possibly not. If a Sunderland fan tried to tell me that we'd got a better squad, I'd laugh in his yeah. face. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. You know,
2: There's a massive difference there because it, football's a squad game. It's not a game of 11 versus 11, not over a 46-match um, season. It is obviously, on the, well, it's not even 11 v 11 anymore, is it? It's 15 or 20 or how um, many subs that we're allowed to do now. But do you know what I mean? It, it's... It, it's a a squad game and sometimes when you make serious changes to a side during a game it can affect the way that the game goes and Sunderland I think have got far I mean we're not I don't know why we're talking about Sunderland but they've got much deeper options Mm. and yeah when you've got Charlie White scoring what 26 in 39 or something silly like that I don't know what it is exactly off the top of my head when you've got a player who's that dangerous you know, it's it's massive. Uh, yeah, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't swap our squad for theirs because theirs in places is an aging squad. In places, there are players who I don't think are doing as well as they should be doing at this level. And Tom Flanagan, Callum McFadden kind of jumped straight to mind. Josh Scowen should be doing much better at this level. You know, some of their better players are the wrong side of 30 uh, by some way in Aidan McGeady and Grant Ledbitter. Um So, yeah probably wouldn't swap their squad for ours, wouldn't swap their 11 for ours. but right now pound for pound their squad is better than ours. um mm. but it's perception they don't see that because what they've seen is two years or, or three years of decline where these players have just turned up and made a mockery of their uh, their shirt and their history and mm. you know remember they're playing at the very bait bottom of their history they're playing at their lowest point this is the longest period they've ever had outside the top two divisions uh, in in their entire history So they are struggling massively So they'll look at the players that they've got here And see those as a low there in a dear Whereas we are not We're doing as well as we've done in a lifetime So we'll look at our players uh, And we'll see that they're the best That we've had in an awful long while I just wish that one or two would give More than Rodgers a bit more credit To be honest But there we
0: go. Yeah well you know obviously People were uh People were clamoring for you know, or certain people were clamoring for Morgan Rogers to be dropped before the Crew game, um, and I just, I mean, we've we've spoken away from you know, away from the podcast about about reasonings and, and stuff like that, but it's not it's not a discussion that I ever want to get into on the pod. But I mean, it was ridiculous. Uh, it was ridiculous to see, and then um, you know, people saying, no, "Oh, he should be dropped. He's not doing much. He's you know, he's lazy. He's not tracking back." And it's like, well. It, you know what's happened in the past two games speaks for itself I think his goal on Saturday was superb um you know really nice bit of play which I'm sure some people that are listening would uh would would hasten to point out that yes it started from a, a, a move where Teo edwin wins the ball in midfield but um yeah I mean obviously we'll, we'll come on to you know we'll come on to Tuesday and say that I don't think you'll see a better goal from uh, from football this week. Um, I mean, people have shared that the goal from Lionel Messi this week. I think Paul rogers's goal was better than that, if I'm honest with you. But you know what a what an opener um, against Ipswich that was. I think it was a, a superb goal. You know, really nice, uh, nice little burst of pace from midfield, um, leading up to the edge of the box, well, about 25 yards out, and. I love it when the ball just nestles in the side of the net and just rolls around to the back of it. it just, it looks so smooth. And I think, oh, just a beautiful finish. Um, but I think a lot of people said, uh, one thing to notice about that goal was again, you look at Cohen Bramall, who has, has come in for some stick. And I think Cohen Bramall's movement off the ball freed up Rogers, uh, you know, a little bit to, to get that shot away. So, um, a solid performance from from both of them, but uh, yeah, I mean, how how did you see how did you see it switch?
2: Um, <clears throat> typical game of two halves, which is I hate rolling out. Um, I thought yep. we were excellent in the first half. I thought we were as good as I've seen as play. Potentially um, since the turn of the year yeah, I think we did the same things that we did when we went away to Portsmouth we were tight enough at the back they, they've always got an error in I mean with Insala there I mean that man is a liability um, I know he's a big old unit and he pops up at the back stick but I don't see him as a as a league one player I'm afraid <clears throat> and I thought with our pace and our direct running, we terrified them. And I, you, know, you mentioned Bramble's work off the ball. I mean, what a player on the ball! And mm-hmm. he, he, he just stripped poor old Luke Chambers when he knocked the ball round him. And, and you know, he was 20 yards ahead of him by the time he picked the <laughs> ball up. It was. It was embarrassing and I'm I'm pleased to see Cohen beginning to, to grow into um a Lincolnshire. I don't think we'll see the best of him until next year. I think he's a player who will need to adjust to the pace of League One football. Mm-hmm. I did think that Edwards probably had the beating of him in the defensive areas, but he certainly had the beating of Edwards and, and Chambers as a pair in the attacking areas. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like that. I mean obviously I like Roger's goal. It was one of those kind of moments where Nine times out of 10, it goes over, it goes wide. You know, We've, we've seen Anthony Scully try that a million times um, and, and all sorts of different things happen other than a goal. That's just the way it happens. But Rodgers has got some... That's not a slur on Scully, by the way. He will shoot from anywhere, mm-hmm. um, as, as Rodgers will. So there was a lot of criticism earlier in the year that we didn't shoot enough. And now, you know, up until probably recently there's been a lot of criticism when we do shoot it's not good enough and so now we've got four goals all of which were from probably outside the area or certainly just about in in the space of a couple of days mm-hmm. so really really positive um I, I, I found it quite interesting because I saw some criticism of Teo Eden as well mm-hmm. um, that apparently he uh <clears throat> he lost the ball far too much. So. Uh, as you know, I delve into Y Scout because I like to either prove a point or um, have a point proven to me. Uh, and in this instance, the point is actually wrong because there were three players, three Lincoln City players, who lost the ball more often uh, than Teo Eden in that game. Now, what I would say is when Eden loses it in that midfield area, it's exposing the back four, so perhaps it gets seen a little bit more.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but TJ Ioma lost the ball more than Teo Eden did. Uh Morgan Rogers lost it much more. Uh but then I think that's because when you're in that attacking role and you're trying to push forward, you're putting crosses in, if cross gets cleared, technically that's a lost ball. So I, I yeah, I can kind of forgive that. Tom Hopper um lost the ball more than Tao Eden as well. I think it was on four more occasions than Tao Eden. I actually thought it was a tough afternoon or an evening for Tom. Um hmm. Uh, he looked like a player who could still do with a bit of a rest. Uh, I didn't think he got an awful lot of luck. And I thought in the second half, it was really a, an evening for Callum Morton uh, mm-hmm. to come on. Uh, but just on the point for Teo Eden, I also had to look up recoveries. Now, a recovery isn't a tackle. A recovery is where you take the ball back from an opponent. So uh, you intercept a cross, bring it down and, and, and play turns over, So it passes from Ipswich to Lincoln because I was interested to see the sorts of players who had the most recoveries on the pitch. You would expect it to be the centre-halves because you would expect them to be winning headers or blocking crosses and that sort of thing. And one of them was Adam Jackson recovered the ball on 11 occasions, which was the highest. Um, The next highest was joined, Lewis Monsma on nine and Theo Eden on nine. Uh, So again... It didn't look to be Theo Eden's best performance in a Lincoln shirt, but I actually think he had a decent enough game. And with the absence of Max Sanders, who I noticed wasn't on the bench, and I, I don't know if uh, when we go out, anyone will know any more about that. Um, I think he's, he's injured.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think Mike, Michael said beforehand that he was injured.
2: Yeah, so I didn't hear that. So with him out and Grant out and Bridcut out, um, mm-hmm. the, the the feeling is that Eden will have to play there. And I think... Upturning form comes at a point where we play central midfielder in midfield, in the holding midfield role, and then we play two protecting attacking midfielders as well. Um, and sorry to hear my voice, but let me also just say that I think Brennan Johnson and Morgan Rogers, who have looked much, much better over the last two games, benefit from the fact that when they they're in those positions... They can get in the channels because their fallbacks overlap. They can get out wide if they need to. What you've got to have there to stop yourself being a weak side with a soft underbelly that can get easily damaged is proper midfielders picking up the ball. Mm. And that's where Conor McGrandles and James Jones come into it. And I thought Jones was poor, to be fair, or not poor. Jones didn't have his best game on Tuesday night. I thought he was very good against Crew, mm. But what they both do is they're almost the first line of protection if you lose the ball in an attacking area and when you've got flair players like Johnson and Rogers, and you've got you know, Callum Morton coming into the side as well, those players will lose the ball because they try things and they try to make things happen. What mm. you've then got to have is square pegs in square holes, not a winger playing in an attacking central midfield role. That That's the change for me that's facilitated the turning form.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Um... Saying about you know square pegs and square holes, I was, I was going to use pretty much the same, um, you know, the same wording in that I of course think. You were. No, I genuinely
2: was. Have you got it written down like on countdown? <laughs> I'll it on I,
0: WhatsApp. Yeah, I will do. Um, but like, I think the thing is that, um, like playing Eden in, in midfield, I think he has come on leaps and bounds as a as a left back this season, but. I think when he plays in that central role, I mean, I said it on social media the other day. It, I, I wouldn't have thought that he would be almost the you know the 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 the, the replacement for Brinkert in that role. But I'm with you. I think he had a decent game, um, and I think the primary reason that he got taken off is because I think genuinely he was probably on the verge of a red card. Um, I think earlier on in the game, the free kick obviously gave the free kick away that that led to the Ipswich goal. But I think had that free kick been earlier in the game, I personally would have seen that as, you know, maybe a yellow card. And I think he got a little bit lucky to to not get sent off at that point. But um, yeah, other than that, just I think... Just on that.
2: Mm-hmm. Sorry, just on that. Sorry to butt in. Um, but you, you say about the free kick for the goal, it's a good point. I think we should pick that up now before we move on to anything else. Because yes, he lost control in the middle of the park. He then subsequently gave the free kick away. But from that point, that's not why we conceded the goal. And again, I saw some people were like FFS7 and that sort of thing. Mm. That's not why we conceded the goal. We conceded the goal because the ball went in. We didn't win the first contact and we didn't pick up the second contact. Now, you might argue that it should have been Eden picking up the second contact because there should be the line of defenders in front of the ball when it drops. So then you're probably looking for one of your midfielders to come and pick up um, James Wilson. But, you know, that wasn't the case, unfortunately. So, um, you know, what do you do? Mm.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was, it you know, it, it was a poor goal to give away. I don't think there's anybody that could, that could argue with that, but um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Eden had a, had a solid game up until that point. Um, I just think that the second half it almost seemed like you know we 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 were happy to come away with a point and the fact that we were 1-0 up it seemed like there was a a massive uh well there was a huge change in tempo and a huge change in almost in attitude um for for the, for the second half and it, it didn't you, you know, they didn't come out with the same intensity that I thought they needed to, or that, you know, they, they went in with um, at half time, um, whether that was because you know, Ipswich made the changes that they needed to, to to combat us, or you know, whether they came out with the the renewed energy. I mean, I personally I thought it was a very, you know, decent game of football to watch. Um, I thought it was a, you know, I hate using the phrase, but I do anyway, is that I thought it was a good advert for League One. Um, you know, we, we played some good stuff in the first half. Ipswich played some decent stuff in the second half. And I think overall, I think a draw was probably the right result. Um I know it was the result that you called on, on match day live again, which I'm I'm gonna have to start putting some some money on your your predictions. Um I wish I had. <laughs> but like yeah, it was it was just uh I mean it, it, there was a there was sort of the, the obvious thing about, you know, the, the deck being slightly stacked and that it was Paul Cook's first game at home. Obviously the pressures on him to get a result and it was you know the the narrative away from the pitch was kind of he, they had to come at us and, and get a result but um I, I, don't, I don't think there was anything that. I don't buy that I don't buy
2: that narrative um, not at all they're, 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 I, I understand it I know that I, I agree with you I'm not just saying that you're wrong because that was a narrative but I don't buy it I, I just think Ipswich Town at home whether it's Paul Cooker or anything there was no pressure there's no pressure coming off the back of Paul Lambert because Paul Lambert was ridiculously bad um, it's almost like you know living in a living in a shed for six months and somebody gives you a flat there's no pressure the first time someone comes around to see you to have it spick span and sparkling the fact is you're in a flat you're not in a a grubby shed and that for me paul lambert's the grubby shed and paul cook is the flat and over time paul cook's flat will be decorated and it will be furnished and it will get better and better and now we'll move up into a house um so (laughs) that's that that's for me funnily enough i've just watched the goal back and actually i'm not sure adam jackson wasn't to blame because Jackson was marking Wilson on the edge of the area. When the ball went over for the first contact, Jackson has tracked onto the edge of the six-yard box. Wilson has just hung back a little bit, um, and nobody's picked him up. Now, you did have Eden and Jones both on the edge of the area looking like uh relative spare parts probably like to have seen one of those go into the box as well just to make an extra uh an extra nuisance but yeah sorry I, I, I just i just thought i'd watch it back in slow motion and see so and also i said i said like you a draw was a fair result actually on the on the balance of things probably not 10 shots from us two shots from them i'm not sure if a draw's a fair result um mm.
0: Yeah. I mean, Michael said yeah, after that, the game, you know, Michael said after the game that, that I don't think Alex has had much to do, and it's like, well, you know, it's it's a uh, it, it it's a game where you, you look at it like you said, if if you've got that many shots coming in, you need to make the most of it. But yeah, I I thought on the balance of it, and you know, watching the game, I thought a draw was was a perfectly fair result, and I was I was happy to take a point. I mean, if you'd offered me a point before the game, I think anyone would have taken it. Um, yeah. So. But well, at half-time, nobody would, because at oh, yeah, half-time, yeah, totally.
2: we were well in control. And I, I do think that there were one or two players. I'm not going to say let us down, because they're not players. You know, players have off days, or players don't get change out of a certain player. But I felt that the Nciala and Wilson chambers along the back there, Just I felt they had the error in them. And I personally think that a Callum Morton, for a longer period of time, and it may be a fitness thing, Mm. would have would have forced that mistake. And I think we saw it late on. I mean, in terms of, I've, I've got to get it in because I have to get it in every single episode. So Jack Mulhall, listen away now. And uh, and Dan as well. <laughs> I know it's Dan on the, on Twitter saying something about Peter Crouch talking about XG. I don't listen to him, unfortunately. Um, but our best two chances in terms of XG, not the goal, nothing like the goal. Uh, James Jones on 23 minutes, you know, when the ball come in and it's hit and Siala and gone off the post. Mm-hmm. That was that was one of our chance, our very best chance, Brennan Johnson on eighty three minutes. And again, mm. whose mistake was it? From the Sialas. He's balls up. Unfortunately, Johnson's made a split-second decision, which you can't call a bad decision, but he's instinctively gone to go outside on Salah, which has then allowed the defender to push him wide, um, yeah. and he's not been able to get the shot away. Had when he picked up the ball, he'd used his pace and gone inside, which probably isn't his instinctive because he's playing out wide at the time. He's he's one on one with the goalkeeper, and he's yeah. got Callum Morton running through as well. I actually think he should have squared it to Morton.
0: I, I said I said on Twitter at the time, you know, probably an expletive on there as well. I just said, oh, you know, he, he should have passed that. I, but, I think but, he should have passed it.
2: But you say that should Rogers, had Rogers hit his shot and it had gone over or wide, someone might have gone, oh, I should have fed it in here. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. all it's, Once he's missed the effort, it's very easy to say he should have squared it. I watch it back a million times. I'll go, I wish he had squared it. Yeah. But, you know, four years ago, as we're recording today, Nathan Arnold had a shot that if he had squared it, we may have scored but at the time it was a viable effort at goal it's only with hindsight you say it should have should have squared it you know a really bad decision usually if there isn't a meaningful effort at the end of it so if johnson's hit that and it's gone kind of you know trickled through to the keeper or it's gone out for a throw in or something like that then it's a really bad decision if it's an effort that works the goalkeeper there was a better option, but it's not particularly a bad decision. Mm. And I think I think that's critical. I think that's the difference. I actually thought Tom Hopper made a worse decision early in the uh, second half, where he's gone for a Van Basten-style volley uh, from an angle that's so ridiculously acute. I don't think you could really read it properly on a protractor. Um, <laughs> and it, I just at the time he's hit it, and I just I just thought Tom's brilliant at hold-up play, and the one time he doesn't try and just hold it up in the channel and let. Because that's where we look good, holding mm-hmm. it up in the channel, coming back out the area, going back out wide, pulling the defence this way and that. Um, but look, you know, not it great that we're picking holes in a one-one draw at Ipswich Town, who won the UEFA Cup in, in the early eighties, and who four years ago we talk about Arsenal. Four
0: mm-hmm.
2: years ago today, four years ago we went to Ipswich and it was, you know, it was momentous. It was it was it was historic. We've gone to Portman Road in the FA Cup. Now we go there and we're coming away thinking, wow, well, we should have won that
0: yeah absolutely but um yeah i think um i think one thing that we need to to possibly point out before we uh, before we move on to to preview rochdale um after the crew game uh, you know lewis Montsmer was was interviewed on the radio and he said that he was aware that he'd had you know a bit of a dip in form and he'd not had the best couple of games and personally i think um i think Montsmer's had a, a a crack in two games i think he's had a real purpose about him I think he's had a real you know determination it's something that maybe I just wonder if when um you know if if Michael's you know said in his interviews over the past couple of weeks that certain players weren't performing in the way that he wanted them to and I just wonder if Lewis Monson is one of those that's possibly had a bit of a bollock in um and he's reacted to it in the way that I would expect somebody to do and he's 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 done I think he's done really well. I think he might be put in some really strong tackles um against crew and I think he you know he didn't look like he was disinterested on Tuesday night. I think he looked like he you know again he had a real purpose about him.
2: Yeah, interesting. Um I thought he was better on Saturday. Yes, Uh, than uh, than he was on Tuesday night. But yeah, he didn't have a bad game. And look, we we could all talk about one or two players that that have not really been delivering. I mean, obviously, James Jones is another, uh, I don't want to be too critical of any one player, but James Jones is one that that just hasn't been delivering it either. Um, Interesting what you said there about Monsma putting in um, strong tackles. And obviously, I've gone to Scout. Uh, because you know I do, I and mean, in terms of defensive duels, which is pretty much kind of tackling, I mean Monsma actually uh, is behind Bramall, Rogers and Johnson's a bit different again, but Bramall, Jones, Jackson, Eden, McGrandles. Oh, so actually Only Aoma uh, and obviously Paul, who came on, put in f- had fewer defensive duels. I mean, if I just have a look at the, because obviously there's a video of each of the defensive duels. Um, and he's kind of they're not all tackles as such. It's if there's a loose ball, and you know, it's like one on one. I mean, here's yeah. a defensive jaw where the yeah, he's lost that one, so where he's not been able to get round and outside the uh, the winger, the winger's got round him. It, it's just interesting that perception and data are very different.
0: Mm. Um, I mean, to, to be honest, the, the the biggest one and this this is, you know, going back slightly, but I think he, he definitely made um, a good few in, in the crew game where, you know, he, he looked like he he, he looked like he really taken something to heart and was out to prove a point. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, like you say, it was just the way that I saw it over the past couple of games. I thought he um, he's definitely picked it up again and I think he's uh, probably close to staking a place for, you know. Keeping his place when um, uh, when Joe Walsh comes back. So interesting,
2: um, interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I won't keep going on, but I'm just actually looking at the uh, the crew um, jewels as well. But I'll, I'll <laughs> not do the I'll not do the numbers there, Ben.
0: <laughs> Please don't. <No>. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, obviously we've got the the Rochdale and uh, Gillingham games to look forward to, but. Um, Interesting news on George Grant. Just quickly before we before we do move on, um, it seems to be getting a little bit better each time we hear about him. Um, I think on Saturday they said that he was you know going to be out for the season and, and uh, it wasn't looking like you know he'd, he'd get any game time at all and it was probably going to be a long recovery. Um, I think the way that Michael was talking about it, it sounded like they were doing the sensible thing uh, in you know, just seeing how everything was, then if it required it, you know, taking the time with it and not trying to rush him back before the end of the season. But over the past couple of days, they've, you know, the the news has come out that he might, you may be looking at a return before the end of the season. Um, But I think, honestly, with the performances against Crewe and, you know, the, the first half, at least in Ipswich, it, it eased my fears a little bit um, with with losing him. And I think having a couple of players that are maybe one or two weeks away uh, from coming back, I think if we can get through this period and, you know, in in three or four weeks when we've got the running really, really starting to hit, if we get some of those players back, I'm suddenly feeling a lot more positive and a lot more confident about, you know, the back end of the season. Um so yeah i mean obviously it's you know george is still going to be a huge loss but i'm a lot more positive about things than i was this time last week and um i mean are you feeling the same way on that
2: i'm going to agree with you to a degree there ben which um i think i can hear a faint round of applause in the background I was going
0: to say you know there's there's a there's a qi button somewhere but it's the anti-qi button the the anti-Q thing that is,
2: but,
0: yeah, yeah the, the least likely thing for anybody to say
2: Gary agrees with Ben Claxton, if you've got that on your Stacey West podcast bingo card, <laughs> that's unusual, isn't it, that really is, um, to a degree I'm going to agree, because I'm actually going to go the other way and say of all the players, of all the injured players that are crucial for us to get back in the running, George Grant is not one of them, mm-hmm. Liam Bridcutt is the only one who is crucial, absolutely crucial. George Grant is a great footballer, one of our best players. We are a better team with him. But the way that we function, the way that we play, and the way that we can create, I believe that we could still gain automatic promotion with him, not in the side. Won't be as easy, won't be as straightforward. We can still create chances. We've still got good players in key positions. If We can still function, okay? And I'm sure that if, you know, of the other players i'm sure if anthony scully took 10 penalties he would probably score you know eight of them but I'm not that's not me being critical of grant you know his deliveries are fantastic he's got more assists obviously we're better with him and i don't want to articulate this in the wrong way and come across as some sort of dickhead
0: um but <laughs> no one would ever think that guess
2: <laughs> no they would say it um <laughs> For me, Liam Bridcutt's crucial because Bridcut is a special type of player. I've said it a million times. He hinges the defence and the attack. Um, He's a player that would have picked up James Wilson, in my opinion, from that ball. He is a player that will be on the second contact, looking to either make it or looking to block it or looking to disrupt it. He's the player that when you're playing out from the back and you need to move forward quickly when it goes to him, you're confident that he's going to play the ball somewhere. It looks like he loses the ball a lot because he has the ball a lot. But if you need a tackle in the channel and the defence have been beaten, Liam Bridcuchy, man. Mm-hmm. Now, George Grant, you play George Grant in, in the attack, one of the two attacking midfield roles and he creates and he conjures and that sort of thing. But there are a couple of other players who not quite got the same flair but have got similar creativity. Colin McGrandalls, for instance, has come on in... When I say leaps and bounds, I mean, since he's come back from injury, he yeah. looks a different player. And he was a decent player beforehand. But beforehand, he looked like a functional workhorse. He mm-hmm. would cover every blade of grass. He'd put your tackle in, he'd play it simple. Since he's come back, he's just looked Yeah, he's looked incredible. Yeah, yeah
0: I James, James,
2: James, sorry, agree on that one. James Jones struggled a little bit, granted, uh, but I still think that he does have that that little spark, he has that little bit of something. And if actually, if you've got Rodgers and Johnson on the flanks, and you've got Bramall and Paul and Eden and Ioma backing them up, in actual fact, that that kind of that attacking midfield role, you could almost play an Anthony Scully in there. You could almost play somebody more as a as a ten, maybe even a Callum Morton and a Tom Hopper. I don't know. But there are plenty of options that I still would make as a very, very good side without George Grant. With him, we're, we're our best version of ourselves. Without him, we're still a very good version of a very good League One side. Uh, but without Liam Bridcutt, I just feel like we're still a little bit, yeah. You know, it, uh, we said square pegs in square holes. Actually, I think Edden is almost in that role at the minute. He's almost like a square peg in a rectangular hole. He fits, but there's just still a little bit of something there that's, Needs filling, do you know what I mean? And yeah, you know, he will grow into it because he's a midfielder and he's adaptable and he's a very very good footballer. But in terms of being up to speed with the pace and the tactics and and everything that we do, Liam Bridcutt's the heartbeat. So get him back. Uh, I, st- I think Joe Walsh, great central defender, but I think Monsma and Jackson. Proven that they, they were our central central defensive pair for, for plenty of games earlier in the season and we were in the top two, so I think we can function without them. Uh, we are a you know, we're a weaker team without Walsh. We're a weaker team without Grant. We are a much weaker team without Bridcut.
0: Mm, I 100 percent agree on that. Um, it you know it, it, it's no it's no coincidence that we've had what people perceive to be a dip you know or a, a blip in, in form when Liam Bridcut's not been in the team. Um it's, you know, it's even in the, the quality of the performances. I think, you know, without dwelling on it for too much, I think you've said it before. I think I've said it as well that he he is that, the link between the defence and the midfield that, you know, he's not afraid to bollock the defence if he needs to. And he, he's there to cover. Um, he's there to, you know, just provide that link really well. So, yeah, I fingers
2: think sc- I Go might on. be wrong. I think that we have only lost... Two league games with Liam Britt cut in the side.
0: I'm not going to challenge that.
2: He, he didn't play against Fleetwood. He didn't play against Plymouth. He did play when we lost 1-0 against Doncaster. Uh, I don't think he played. He didn't play against Shrewsbury. He didn't play against Sunderland. Um, he didn't actually play against Plymouth when we lost in the FA Cup. Portsmouth at home. Guess what? No Liam Bridgott. Doncaster at home No, Liam Bridcott I think the only other one he played in was Bristol Rovers At home mm. So there you go, of the games that we've lost In fact, also we didn't, he didn't play against, um, I did play against Liverpool, but that's a defeat we can handle So in actual fact, of all our defeats This season, he's only played in three of them And one of them was against the reigning English champions mm.
0: Yeah, I mean you Kind of says it all, doesn't it um, So Okay, well we'll you know we'll we'll leave that um where we are i think you know the, the injury situation was on the verge of if not had just tipped over into being a bit of an injury crisis i mean obviously you know we're now without uh, without sanders like you said we're without uh, harry anderson again um who was named on the bench but then it seems like he got injured in the warm up so i don't know how long he's going to be out for there um, i don't think there's any news on that but um we're going into a game on Saturday against a Rochdale side that are, um, I mean, they're, no, they're nowhere near where they'd want to be, other than rooted to the bottom of the table. I think they've won one in the last nine. Um, I think they've only won six league games all season, is it? Um, yeah, that's uh, it's, it's not a good spot for them to be in. And <laughs> I don't want to say it, but I don't think we can see anything other than a win being an acceptable result. Oh, sorry. Is that me? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, they've actually won one in 17, uh, one in their last 17 games. So they've only won once since December the 15th. Mm. Uh, They have lost four on the spin, um, or Mm. if you want to be worse, they've lost seven of their last nine over Christmas they were scoring goals for fun. Uh, uh, I think they beat Wigan five one. They drew three three with Crew, four four with Charlton, then they went and drew three three with Wigan. They were lost four three at home to Oxford. Uh, they scored twice uh, away from home against Bristol Rovers on January the thirtieth. They haven't scored away from home since. Uh, they haven't scored a goal it's since the for six of February. Games. Seven games. Uh, yeah, it's seven games. Yeah. They haven't scored. They've lost every one of their last four games by two goals. Uh, they are a team that I always say that uh, when, when we play lower league teams, well, lower league, lower teams the lowers in the division, I look at it objectively. And like when we played Burton, for instance, I say, you know, I don't think it will be a straightforward result okay it was but then you look at some of the other lower teams that we've played where people say we should do well you know, don't underestimate Wigan for instance when we went away people saying, oh it should be four or five nil it wasn't Northampton when they came to our place I'm going to go out on a limb here this is a game that we should be winning three nil mm-hmm. um and I, I feel incredibly confident there are more reasons than just looking at the letter L on soccer base and thinking Jesus there's a lot of those Um yesterday I don't know if you're aware of this they held their fans forum no, I wasn't aware of this it was uh, it was a little shambolic because their manager Brian Barry Murphy is not particularly popular uh, with their supporters they believe that he's probably taking them down they don't see any real progression within the side Um and he was basically given a contract extension or the, his contract extension was announced at the Fans Forum by accident. Oh. <laughs> um, he's been given another year. And, and basically on Twitter, there's lots of people saying that they'd agreed this, Uh, a while ago and had chosen not to announce it because they've been on such a bad run that they don't want to have this PR disaster where they've, they've lost seven of their last nine games and then somebody goes, oh, well, we've given the manager a new contract. But because of this complete miscommunication, it just came out live at a fans forum when a fan, I think, asked how long what was the plan for the manager next year or well, something along those lines and, and the chairman more or less said, Well, he's he's okay till twenty twenty two and people are kinda of going, Uh what? And then Rochdale have put out a statement today saying oh, it doesn't come up to our usual high standards of communication, and it's uh, obviously an error on our part, and fans are basically saying, well, you know, you always manage to communicate iFollow or lottery numbers and that sort of thing on time, so this is nothing to do with just going, uh, what haven't we announced today? Well, we've done iFollow, we've done the club lottery, let's go home. Oh, the manager's new contract, do you know what I mean? It doesn't happen, does it? Could you imagine? Could you imagine
0: if that had happened with us the day of the fans' forum that Michael Anderson's contract didn't get announced?
2: Exactly, it doesn't happen. So you're looking at Rochdale, at a club who are in, in my opinion, disarray. Now, I'm going to flick that on its on its side a little bit as well because you know, they should be because they are a team who have done so well to remain in this division for the length of time that they have. You know, they are smaller that in my opinion, in terms of means, in terms of their setup. You know, they're an Accrington. They are. They're a, a team that spent almost all of their career in the, in the lower reaches of the football league. They're a team that had to apply for re-election, I believe, on numerous times when that was the case. Mm-hmm. So the very fact that they've been a League One team for as long as they have been is is a huge um, achievement for them, and you've got to have massive respect for that. And when a, a pandemic comes along and robs you of your income and you're a small struggling club anyway and and you don't have an Andy Holt figure you don't have do you mean you they've been hit in my opinion they've been hit really really hard by uh, coronavirus and it's not something that they plead or they they beg uh, but it's just a it's just a way that it looks from the outside looking in and I think that you have to take that into consideration when it seems like we're slating them. Um, but let's not rule out the fact that, you know, let's not ignore the fact they can score goals. Uh, they've got Matthew Lund, who I think uh, off the top of my head was at Scunthorpe. I think he scored 11 or 12 this season for them. Um, 30-odd years old, you know, a seasoned campaigner, never going to play in the in the championship at a later stage in his career, but very good at what he does for Rochdale. There's a really interesting player as well that I wanted to mention called Kwadwo um, Bar, okay. who um, is... He's an 18-year-old forward. Uh, he agreed a pre-contract, uh, a, a pre-contract agreement rather with Manchester City um, in February. So he was going to join them upon the expiry of his Rochdale contract. Uh, that's now fallen through. Celtic and West Ham are sniffing around. Uh, he's only scored. He's only scored three to be fair, so you know, we're not talking here about a prolific kind of Luke, Luke Jeffcott style player, we're talking about an 18 year old kid who Manchester City, West Ham, and Celtic are sniffing around who has scored, including a brace. Now, Barr actually um, became quite famous as a youngster five years ago uh, because when Crystal Palace played West Ham, oddly, who were now searching to looking to try and sign him, he was a ball boy. Uh, and he tried to stop West Ham time-wasting in a Premier League game as a ball boy by grabbing the ball, running it, and putting it on the uh, in the six-yard box for them to take the goal kick. Trying that and hurry the that up. That was him. Do you remember that, do you? Wow. Yeah, that was Quadro Bar. Um, and, and he was punished, actually, by uh, Crystal Palace for that. I don't know how. I'm assuming it wasn't lashes or anything like that. So, yeah, he was actually at Crystal Palace 2013-2017. Uh, and then he left, went off to... Uh, Played for a couple of games for a team called Whiteleaf, um, and then was was snapped up by uh, Rochdale. So he scored his first professional goal and when they beat Wigan five. Nearly then scored a brace, I think, in one of the four-four draws. Uh, I do. I should really have had that in front of me. Maybe it was in the crew or the, the the Charlton game, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. So he scored twice in the Charlton game. He's been in and out the side of late. Um, whether they were resting him, whether whether they need the money and don't want to see him get injured. I mean, he was a sub against Shrewsbury. I think when they lost Tuesday night, he did start against Sunderland when they lost at the weekend. Um, While they were away at Hall, he came on as a sub while they were at home to Burton. He started, he's probably due to start this week, Mm. this weekend. So it'll be interesting to see. They do have a couple of other decent players. I quite like, um, i've spoke about ollie rathbone before who was a manchester united youngster uh, i've always quite liked him i think he's back from suspension for this game he's missed the last three games through a, a straight red card against burton so i think he will be back um remains to be seen i also like connor shaughnessy as well um who was at leeds united i uh, spent some time out on loan Maybe wrong i Think it was at uh, Mansfield. I'll now bring it up on my screen. Yeah, Mansfield, Burton, and Hearts. He was on loan at. He signed for Rochdale in the summer, uh, in in the winter, sorry, in the winter window. Um, So he's only played eight times for them. He's also had a straight red card against uh, Hull, although it must have been rescinded because then he played, he got a red card on March the 2nd, but then played on the 6th and 9th. That can't be right, surely, can it? No,
0: that's what I'm seeing as well.
2: Yeah. So um, he's a player that I, uh, yeah, they've got some half decent players. Mm. Uh, I also feel that they're, you know, they're, they're a team that yeah, if we don't take three points from this, then I'm afraid we don't deserve automatic promotion. It is that simple.
0: No, I'd, I'd, I'd say you're right. And I think, you know, Michael's words after the Ipswich game were that we'll see if this is a good point come Saturday. Yeah. Um, I think you know it's it's spot on. I think if we take three this weekend, it's, which is going to be looked at as a good point in the grand scheme of things, I think um, if we if we don't take the maximum from from this weekend, I think you know Tuesday suddenly looks like a much worse result in comparison.
2: You've um, got to win the next two games. Yeah. Look look at the league table. Bear in mind this Saturday, right? Peterborough don't play because they were due to play one of the teams involved in the EFL Trophy uh, thing. So they were probably due to play Portsmouth mm-hmm. or Sunderland. Um, Sunderland don't play because they're mm-hmm. playing Tranmere Rovers on Sunday. So mm-hmm. if we were to beat Rochdale, we are guaranteed to go back into the automatic promotion spaces. Hull are at home to Oxford. Tough, tough game, that oxford and no mugs whatsoever if Hull, if hall were to draw we'd need to overturn an eight goal swing you know i expect us to beat rochdale i don't expect us to score eight goals um but if they were to lose against oxford and we were to win we go back to the top of the table now this is crucial because we're getting in to the real nitty-gritty at the end of the season i think this will be 33 games so there'll be what 13 games left after this yeah um and then by the time you get Tuesday out of the way, there's 12 games left. If we've taken six points from those. There's well, we're, on 30, single...
0: we're on 33 at the minute, so it'll be 12 games after Saturday, 11 oh, sorry, games after are we on
2: Tuesday. 30, you know, they're going that quickly. I actually thought it was 30. We were on 30 oh, we're on 32. So are we on 33 and they're on 35 now then?
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's right. So, so it's, it's, it's even tighter. It's even closer.
2: It, it's, the thing is, it's just the games are coming so thick and so fast. And it, it it is it's just hard. It's a beginning to get hard to keep um, keep track of how you know, if you look on soccer base, there's so few games left now mm. and we're still up there and we're still challenging. And I think when you look at um, here we get this Saturday and Tuesday out of the way, then we've got Saturday the Sunderland game, then you've got a week till we play Oxford. Then you've got a week till we play MK Dons. Then it's the Easter weekend. Then we've got another Tuesday off in between the tenth and the seventeenth of April. So in actual fact we're beginning to get lots of our lots of players back. And mm-hmm. you look at the group I I'd always say it to Sam that I take matches in groups, clumps, so mm-hmm always say, you know, you take six points from this, you're OK. You take so many points from this, you're OK. I took crew Ipswich and Rochdale and said, if we take six, we're OK. We're drawn with Ipswich, winning against Rochdale, that's seven. Gillingham and Sunderland, I'd take four from that and you're laughing. We go to Sunderland and get a draw. That puts a lot of pressure on them. Bear in mind, they've then got an extra game to play because of the one that they'll have in hand. Mm-hmm. We've then got a block of four games that on paper, people might look at them and go, OK, But in actual fact, they're tough. Away at Oxford, home to MK Dons, away at Charlton, home to Blackpool. Blackpool are the most informed teams at the moment in the division. Charlton, you never know what you're going to get, the sublime or the ridiculous. MK Dons, they're they're struggling a little bit. Oxford, really tough. You get to the 10th of April, if we're still in this position now, looking at Burton, Bristol Rovers, Burton, Shrewsbury, AFC, Wimbledon, amongst Hull and Peterborough towards the
0: end. I mean, the thing is, you
2: know,
0: you say that about, you know, you say about um uh Blackpool you know being the, the informed team I think the other informed team that you've you got to look at are Burton I know we said we spoke about them the other week but they just don't seem to stop getting points at the minute they're just they're on an absolute roll and I think you know when we said about the, the two teams that were struggling and potentially looking at survival I think you know Burton of the two at the moment you know out of them and Wigan I think they are well, they're just flying, aren't they? So that's going to be a tough well, they're going
2: game. To survive, aren't they? They're, they're about eighteenth.
0: Yeah. But you yeah. say that's
2: going to be a tough game.
0: I just well, if, t- if they can keep it up. I mean, I don't think they'll be able to keep up this form for another month. But there you go.
2: will, will they? By the time you get to that point, is it actually tougher to play them now? Than it will be in a couple of weeks' time when the pressure's off. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It remains to be seen. But I know one thing. I wouldn't want to be Sunderland at the minute thinking we've got Cash Lincoln. They've got Gillingham and, and um, Rochdale at home. And Gillingham, we should win. Mm-hmm. Whether we do or not, I don't know, but, you know. We should win that. But you know, Sunderland have got Tranmere. That's going to take a lot out of them on Sunday. Yeah. because Tranmere are not going to they're going to go there and want to win that and I'm afraid whatever we like team Sunderland put out and you would expect it to be a full first team because they put it out against us um, that's going to take it out of them then they're away at Accrington on the Wednesday then they've got us on Saturday and then they actually get a Tuesday off as well but you know also coming up for them Bristol Rovers away which Joey Barton's got them winning a little bit at the minute. You've got Oxford at home then on Good Friday and Peterborough away on Easter Monday. I mean, that's a massive double header of games for Sunderland.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then yeah. 13th, 17th and 20th of April. So you've got seven, seven days. They're away at Wigan, away at Blackpool and away at Hull. So again, I don't, it just, we could sit and talk about this all that we want, but Yeah, all matters what happens on the pitch, and we've got. If we win, if we keep our form from the last two games, our actual performance from our last two games, Mm. uh, and carry it forward into the final thirteen games, I think we'll be a championship side next season.
0: Um, Just got a little, just got a little tingle up my spine there.
2: Yeah, I I think I, I think that we are good enough to draw with the likes of Hull and Sunderland, I think we can close those games down. As long as we don't concede early and then go stupid, like when we collapsed against Sunderland earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. But I think that we, we're good enough to go to Sunderland and get a result. I think we're good yeah. enough to, to draw against Hull. I actually think on our day, we're good enough to beat Peterborough mm-hmm. because I think Peterborough are like the schoolyard bully. You know, they can, the teams that they're meant to beat and Hull to a degree, they can do with ease but you go there, and you give them a little bit, as Hall proved on Tuesday night. they lose their call. They have a man sent off, which they did against us. You know they panic the pressure's on them. The pressure's on Hull and Peterborough and Sunderland to a degree. look at that the the top four there there's no pressure on us. nobody expected us to be there we're the you know, we we're, we're, we're the council estate kid that's got into Cambridge University. No one expects us to get a two one they're all there they're the scholarship they're the kids that have you know been to private school paid out massive sums and they've got their parents demanding that they get back into the championship. Not us; We go there for, you know, the experience. And I think we it leaves us in a better position for it.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, Before I mean, anyone I'm,
2: says anything, by the way, I grew up on a council estate. That wasn't meant
0: to be disparaging. Fair enough. I mean, I'm just looking at the, you know, the last four games of the season when you've got, you've got Hull at home, if everything stays as it is, that is enormous. And then you know, a week later, we've got Peterborough away, and that's just it. it you couldn't have written that any better. I mean, at the start of the season, when we said, oh, Peter Peterborough are going to walk away with this league," I thought that was going to be a case of well, that's probably going to be their you know their coronation, if anything. But as things currently stand, that's that's a massive, massive game um, on the first of May, and I just think. You know, of, of everything that we've seen over the past year, with you know, not being in the ground for, for a year, not being in any stadiums for a year now, I think that was the one that now, now more than ever, I think that's the one that everybody wants to see. Um, you know, with fans in the ground, but you know, it's not to be this season, unfortunately. And um,
2: looking at the playoffs, I know we've talked top four, five, and six. Doncaster, Portsmouth. I don't think either of them will be in the playoffs.
0: That's a big I shout.
2: Think, I think. Ipswich and potentially Blackpool are still I called Blackpool at the beginning of the season they're tucked in there on 30 games 48 points right but Portsmouth played three games more in sixth on 55 points so there's only seven points with a three game swing there uh, sorry on 52 points rather so there's this there's three games four points yeah so Blackpool have got two in hand of Accrington two points behind them two in hand of Oxford two points behind them four in hand of Charlton three points behind them just I like the look of Blackpool I really do and that they could have a big big shout uh, a big big say rather in the title race as well because obviously they've got to they've got to come to Sinselbank and there isn't yeah there's no difference between home and away you say what you want this season there really isn't but they Peterborough have got to go to Blackpool Blackpool then comes to Sinsel Bank. Sunderland go there on uh, Saturday the 17th. One thing I would say for Hull is they've played them twice already. So, But Hull have got those. You know, we talked earlier We talked earlier in the season about games in hand. We've got two games in hand, a whole four points, but they've got the points on the board. And if you're getting two points a game, which is the average, that would put us level at the moment with Hull. So you know, everything's going to hang on those. We've got Hull, Peter and Sunderland to play. You draw all of those games. The really crucial ones are the ones you're meant to win, and they're the Rochdale's. Which, mm-hmm. interesting, Rochdale have only won one at home, but they've won five away games. They've won more away games than Crew this season. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. There we go. Something to, be, yeah, something to think about.
0: So, I mean, that's uh, that's the the, the previews tonight. I? I think, obviously, you know, we've got um, we've got Gillingham on Tuesday, but as we've said. I think that's a case of we'll, we'll wait and see how Saturday pans out before we uh, before we assess that. I think uh, it's going to be a you know, tough game. Steve Evans is always, well, puts that aside that's difficult to play against. And if you're, I'm guessing, if you're after some odds, you're probably going to get not the best odds on Steve Evans getting a yellow card in that game.
2: Have you read my... Uh no, you can't have done because I haven't published it yet. <laughs> I've done I've done my referee, because uh, the referee is Ross Joyce for that game. We've, we've seen Ross Joyce before. He sent a couple of Lincoln players off over time. Um, and uh, he is the referee. And I basically said that, uh, again, if you're a gambling man, put a, put money on a, a very yellow card. So I'd say great minds think alike, but I'm not sure either you nor I are great minds. So.
0: <laughs> Fools seldom differ. There you go. That's the uh, that's the other one. So, cool. Well, I think that's pretty much the football side of things uh, for the week. Um, is there anything else that we need to talk about?
2: Uh, I'm not sure. No, I can think of. Mm,
0: okay. Um, just a, a quick plug then before we uh, before we sign off. There are still, I believe, at the time of recording, I think there are there's one red mini Central Bank available on eBay. And there are still 13 mini banks in white available. All of the grey ones have gone, um, which is just a phenomenal response because that's, I think that's 50 that have, you know, about 50 grey ones that have been sold um, about 25 or 26 red and, you know, few white ones that have gone, which is just incredible. So uh, it's been a big effort to get made, but the fact is that all the money is going back to the club. So, you know, I think um, probably made a little bit more than I thought I would, which is always good because that means, you know, that it, it's probably a small amount in the grand scheme of things, but I can put it back into the club. Um, and it's been fun learning about the process as well to get more made up. So uh, at the time of at the time this goes out, I believe you you might have yours, Gary, as a as an exclusive little preview.
2: I suppose um, you make mine in ginger.
0: <laughs> I don't have any orange resin.
2: Can't you mix yellow and I don't know, red? Oh, I have got eyes.
0: some. I have got some yellow resin actually. I oh, didn't think of that. Bugger.
2: You shouldn't really say
0: things out loud like
2: you've got resin in because. Um, <laughs> items, but...
0: No, no, that's that's fair. No. But you did you did say that you had a post-warshed story to tell? Ah yes. Okay, so um,
2: I've suffered a little bit from uh, perishing clothing. Uh, uh, potentially jeans a lot of my dog walking jeans are kind of tesco jeans that i've had for three four years and slowly but surely they've all began to erode um in the in the crotch area i'm talking un- underneath where it all joins so slowly but surely i've been throwing all my jeans away and i've got one pair of jeans where the, the crotch area is eroded so anyway I'm wearing one of those pairs of jeans. It's time to walk the dog. So I've got my like welly socks because it's muddy. I put welly socks over, took my jeans into them. So I've sat down, put my welly socks on. And, and the dog has sniffed something. <laughs> 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 and I thought, "Fucking hell, that, that feel, feels a bit real. And I've looked down. And um, it turns out that my jeans aren't the only thing that I've perished. My French Connection boxer shorts have also perished. Uh, and you know the seen on the Inbetweeners from the fashion show? <laughs> Where he's got where he's got one <laughs> popping out right I've only doubled down on that I've got one either side of the joint on my jeans so they're like pushing out both sides like two blebs on an old leather football either side of the leather um, and just as I was looking thinking I'm gonna to have to do something about this fee came out of the office <laughs> <was> absolutely horrified
0: <laughs> well I mean I yeah, I don't know what to say. No, that's horrendous. So, before I even walked to the dog,
2: I went upstairs. Bear in mind, these are, I'm pretty hacked off because I've only had these French connection boxes shorts a year and a half. And what it had done, they'd, they've obviously I mean, whether it's just because I've got such massive that they've just chafed it all away, I don't know. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it was, it was a little bit of a shock. I'm really disappointed because I've got some kind of cheap ones such. They're like my mum will sometimes buy me boxy shorts and socks at Christmas. And they're always from like Aldi or something. Um, but they've lasted a lot longer than these French Connection ones. So I'm a bit, I'm a bit disappointed about
0: that. Well, there you go. I think we've mentioned French Connection enough. Times on the podcast to see if somebody from there is listening and get us a sponsorship, guys. Um,
2: I'm not sure French Connections are going to be willing to sponsor us when I've talked about their boxer shorts perishing uh, <laughs> under the strain of my ginger love eggs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's going
0: to happen. I mean, I... Uh, Jesus Christ. I, I genuinely don't know where to go. All I've got is, like... The word, the phrase "ginger love eggs" is now seared into my brain. There we go. I felt a little bit gingerist.
2: I felt that there's <laughs> been some gingerism over the past week because there was some some interview or some um, with I don't know uh, on. Uh, From America, which everyone got all worked up about, and the number of times, uh, obviously, I'm playing. I know it was Harry and Meghan, um, but the number of times that I've seen Harry described as ginger, and the number of times I've gone to tweet something, I thought, no, that makes me sound like a knob, because it's just like, why are you allowed to get away with that? People, people dislike Harry and Meghan, but the worst thing they can think about is to pick on his hair color. (laughs) If if that's the worst thing you've got. Perhaps don't bother. Do you know what I mean? Perhaps just, just leave it be. If, if all you're going to go, oh, he's a ginger, such and such. Is he? Well, that's brilliant. So you couldn't call him, if he was fat or if he was um, BAME or if he was uh, different sexuality, you can't pick on that. You can't say about that, rightly so. But you go to the go-to thing is ginger. And everyone goes, ah, ah, he's picking on the ginger. That's still funny. It's 2020 and with one 2021, we're still allowed to do it. Well, you're not. Fuck off. <laughs>
0: Have you ever seen um, Have you seen Tim Minchin live? No. He's got. Go on it's YouTube. Different. Go on right. YouTube after this.
2: Yeah. Wait, I'm going to have burgers after this. But come
0: on. After you've had your burgers, search for Tim Minchin prejudice. Yeah. It's oh. it's an amazing song about it's, pretty much exactly what you're talking about yeah. now.
2: And, and the thing is, all those gingers are, are well. yeah Tim Minchin's a very funny man, and ginger people kind of kind of we shrug it off. Because it's like, yeah, I know we're ginger, but we won't go grey until we're 165, and we'll still have a full head of hair when we're 60, unlike you know people who are 30 now who have lost all their. But so we, we know that ginger is not actually that bad, and thanks to Ed Sheeran, it, it, ginger people also now do get laid unlike when I was a teenager. So, <laughs> but I just it just annoys me. It genuinely, right? Genuinely, it does annoy me, and I haven't wanted to come across as a knob on social media. But I just think, why I mean, are they allowed work. to do that? Well, no i don't whatever <laughs> whatever i just don't get it i don't get why people are allowed to say that you know even if you saw someone who was bald and you call them bald they'd go oh no you can't say that it's follicly challenged it's not fair he's lost all his hair he could be sensitive and go and you know get down about it but ginger oh that's fine that's fine it's not a problem he's ginger ah, let's love it the ginger person ah, look at you yeah whatever just you know It just grates me. It really does. I'm proud to be ginger me. I wasn't until Ed Sheeran made it cool. That's why I shaved shaved my head from the age of about 23 to 30.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. There we go. So Callum Morton,
2: he's ginger. He's cool. Would you go call Callum Morton ginger? Probably you would. But I think he's the sort of person that might give you a slap for it. I won't give you a slap for it. I'll just build it up and build it up, and then moan about it on a podcast that I I actually forget people listen to.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean we've uh, you know we've seen, we're we're growing very slightly in numbers at the minute. So, oh, gee, uh, very, very slightly. I yeah, um, well, like three. <laughs> um, I think one episode from a couple of weeks ago has hit the devil's number. Um, so yeah, there we go. That's so yeah, six, go six six. Yeah.
2: Yes, yeah, so I was just clarifying. Yes, thank, thank you for that. I missed, missed some sort of development in common culture that, that changed it. I used to be terrified of that. I used to think if you had a car with 666 on the number plate, it was possessed because when I was about 10, I read uh, a story in the Sun newspaper because my grandparents always used to buy the Sun. And when we went round, I'd read the sport. And then when they went out the room, I'd try and flick through and look at page three uh, at 10. And I remember reading a, a Story about how a guy got 666 and he'd been possessed and ended up killing someone. It must have been his number plate, not the fact he was a complete div. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I always used to be terrified of it after that.
0: Wow, there you go. I mean, yeah, you're saying about always trying to sneak a look at page three. I remember once as I was a kid in my dad's workshop um, he and ha- he had a, a Rudy calendar and um, when I thought nobody was looking, I started uh, and I sort of went up to it, climbed on a chair, climbed onto the desk, and started flicking through all the pages. And then I looked back and then saw the window in my dad's uh, in the in the office and the workshop, and every single member of staff was in the office looking through the window, just pissing themselves <laughs> laughing. <at me. laughs>
2: oh, you know what you needed, don't you? You needed an on-air sign on the outside of the uh, door. You'd get away. You'd get away with it then, wouldn't
0: you, Bam? Probably, yeah. Uh, but, probably
2: uh, or yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I've not had any, uh, not had any complaints so far. So, right, um, I think that's probably a good spot to end it. Um, <laughs> go buy the rest of the Sinsal banks, and the club can have some more money because I've made them already. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you next week. I think. All right, yes. the imps.